Welcome to Embers and Wind. Are you feeling a calling to serve? What if answering this calling unleashes from deep within you leadership potential? I'm your podcast host, Keith Weedman. Blended three decades experience with knowledge from multiple disciplines to unleash hidden potential in others. In this weekly podcast, my distinguished guests and I will share what fuels us and how we serve. You will feel a gentle wind on the embers of service that glow within you. You will receive kindling for your capabilities and knowledge to build skills. You can utilize this gentle wind to ignite the kindling. You will be guided to do this for people you lead and serve. You can apply what you learn with people you love. Get ready to feel the gentle wind. I want to welcome you to this conversation. Today's guest is a personal development coach. She moved from Ireland in 2011 with her husband, two boys, and currently lives in Chicago. Empowering you and supporting your personal growth is her passion, uncovering what may be holding you back. From achieving your goals is like shining a light on what's keeping you stuck. To quote Jenny Maxwell, who is today's guest, quote, that's where we work on healing first. Limiting beliefs, self-doubt, uncertainty are common obstacles for most of us. Updating your belief system through my habit change coaching methods helps you let go of what's getting in your way and led in your unlimited potential. It's often our biggest challenges in life that highlight our greatest strengths. I'm here to guide you through a journey of self-discovery and empower you to make choices that are in alignment with the person you want to become. How do I know it's possible for you? Because this is my journey too. I'm here to tell you that anything is possible. All you need to do is take that first step forward end quote the title of this episode is leading your team at home and at work please join me in welcoming jenny maxwell to embers and wind welcome jenny well thank you so much for having me today it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here tell us more about your journey and the obstacles you you've overcome well, like you said in the introduction, I moved with my family, my husband and my two boys from Dublin in Ireland in 2011. And I came really telling myself that we were just going to stay here for a year and then I was going to go home. I think that's how I accepted such a big move. And of course, what happened was that um, my two boys settled into school and they made friends and my husband was very happy with work. And it became harder to convince, you know, my family to go back to Ireland. They had fully embraced something new and I was keeping myself stuck. And I told myself little stories such as there's nothing for me here. There's mm -hmm. nothing for me here. All of my family and friends are in Ireland. My career is in Ireland. I didn't have a work visa for the first two years. I was working a as a... Time. Well, now when I look back, like hindsight is twenty twenty. My kids needed me. My husband was, although we moved here to reduce the travel time that he had for work, he was still traveling away. And so my kids really 
needed me to be there. Mm. And, you know, my my eldest is 18. He's just headed off to college. And what I what I noticed about letting him go, basically, was that there was still an element of resentment that I was holding on to that I didn't get to do what I wanted to do back then. But upon reflection, the truth is I wouldn't have missed a second of his journey growing up. I just wouldn't have traded it for any job. It's the the most wonderful experience I'll ever have gone through is nurturing my boys and setting them up for success and giving them wings to fly. But at the time, you know, I thought that my career would transfer over here. Mm -hmm. People would say to me, oh, you'll be in such demand because you sound so different to everybody else. And, And the truth is, that's not that's not the reality. So while I got some voiceover work, it, it just wasn't the same because the industry had also changed. So in, in you know, full disclosure here, Keith, for about nine years, I was really, really desperately unhappy and feeling very stuck and throwing myself regular pity parties, blaming everybody else. It's Dave's fault that we can't go back. He's doing so well at work. It's it's the kid's fault because they're so happy in school. How could I possibly take them out? really what I discovered was that I was actually the biggest obstacle in my own happiness. And furthermore, nobody's responsible for my happiness but me. So about three years ago, a good friend of mine reached her hands across the table in Starbucks one day and said, you know what, how about you come serve your community? And I thought, well, you know, I've got I've got nothing to lose here. I may as well go and see what's out there. And I started volunteering for a non for profit. And what that gave me was um, perspective on how other people are struggling to in many different ways with their health, with, you know, with money issues, with mm-hmm. there are people in need and they have far greater needs than mine. It was so wonderful to be able to give my time. I started being curious about non-for-profits in, in my local area and then beyond my local area. I started fundraising, collecting items for kids in need and, and mothers and, and fathers in need. Mm-hmm. And it just felt so fulfilling. And the difference was, Keith, that for a long time, like I'm a recovering people pleaser. So for a very long time, I would jump in and give people solutions to things without them ever asking. So somebody might come to me and say, oh, this has happened and I'm so upset. And I would hear myself when I think about it now, I cringe. You know what you, know what you should do <laughs> would be my go-to line. And I'd have this great solution, not uh-huh. realizing that actually that person wasn't asking anything of me, but to listen. And then I would feel this sense of pressure that I'd have to come up with these solutions, but it was self-imposed. It was also a wonderful distraction from my own stuff. If I was paying attention to everybody else, then I didn't need to look within and figure out, well, what might need to change in me? What makes me happy? What lights me up? What could I do differently in this life, in this country? How can I make it work? I played that game for a really long time and through the community service work and then, you know, ultimately being introduced to 
the staff and superintendent of our local juvenile justice center, mm-hmm. that's really where everything changed. And I started noticing that it was much more joyful to empower another person to make decisions all on their own and guide them, guide them to um, a solution themselves. It, it also does something else here. There's no resentment on either part, mm-hmm. because when you're problem solving for a person. What you're really saying is, I don't believe you can do this on your own, so I'm going to tell you what to do because I know everything. That's what that other person is hearing. But on the flip side, you're feeling resentful if they don't follow through on the steps that you've given them. So, you know, I would say to myself in the past, I told them what to do and they didn't do it. And here they are stuck all over again. And that was a waste of my time and energy. Uh, while my intention was good, mm-hmm. it's certainly been much more joyful, less pressurized and, and just so wonderful to empower other people to get there all on their own, purely by being their guide. I understand what you mean by empower, but please explain what you mean. Well, empowering somebody else is 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 really like what I do as a coach and what you do too, is that you give the person space to share what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. You're active listening and you're verbal backtracking. So you're telling them what, re- repeating what they've just told you and then they hear it a different way or they hear their own voice. Mm-hmm. It's coaching is all about having the right steps in the right order through mm-hmm. a series of questions. And from the answers of those questions, my clients and your clients are likely uncovering what's keeping them stuck, what's getting in their way, what they truly want, Mm -hmm. and the best way to get what they want. And that's empowering somebody else to make choices that are in alignment with the person they want to become. It's vastly different from telling a person what to do. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I began my journey as an active listener in a crisis intervention center, and I was amazed to see how much healing effect just active listening has. Tell us more about active listening. Everybody's basic needs are love, safety, and belonging. Every human's basic needs. We also want to feel seen and heard. When you're in the habit of telling somebody what to do, that person is is feeling invisible, which is what I felt for a long time when I didn't mm-hmm. know how to use my voice and speak up and communicate calmly what my needs were and ask for help, even around the house. Using your voice and being given space to share what's really going on with you, it requires the person on the other side of the table to sit and listen and give you that space, not interrupt not interject, not try and tell you what to do, just listen. And and that's a very powerful tool to have. Lots of people don't have it. I notice, I I think actually on my coaching journey, like in the beginning, because you know, when you become a coach, you're really your very first client Mm because you're applying everything you're learning to yourself. And what I realized was that most people in my circle had no idea what was going on with me because they didn't ask and how we speak to one another and we we give each other space and and we listen. That's really what active listening is all about. 
is giving a person space to share what's going on with them. And how does this relate to leading your team at, at home and at work? Oh, well, this was a game changer. My son came to me last year. We were in the kitchen mm-hmm. together, my eldest son. And out of nowhere, he said, you know, mom, I can't remember the last time you got annoyed about anything. I was like, happy, sad, you know, I was like really happy because I thought, well, there's the evidence that I've done a lot of personal growth. Right. But I was kind of sad because I was thinking, is that how I showed up for a long time? Annoyed and reactive, you know, Um, and when I when I look back, I think if my kid came home Mm-hmm. with a, a problem you know like a, a teacher had said something or a, a kid had said something to mm-hmm. upset them I would jump in and immediately try and fix it active listening at home really changed everything yes and and then adding in that empowering piece so my son would come home and say you know so and so said this to me today and it really bothered me instead of jumping in and giving my perspective I would ask questions, but well, what bothered you most about that? Mm-hmm. Or what do you think was going on in the moment? How did you react? If you could have a redo, what would you do differently? What about work? Well, at work, I mean, that's my job is active listening. So with my clients, um, you know, my, my clients, however they show up on any given session, they they're given the space to share if something's going well if something isn't going their way Mm -hmm. I ask those questions and I offer I offer this wonderful tool which is to trade judgment for curiosity so Mm -hmm. if one of my clients shows up and said well last week was a bust and I didn't follow through on my action steps and everything went out the window Mm-hmm. I I invite them to be a little gentle with themselves because everybody's doing the best they can right. in any given moment. So I would invite them to trade judgment for curiosity. And if you could go back and have a redo, what might you do differently? And then they get there on their own. Well, I would have gotten up and prepared lunch or I would have gotten out for my walk um, to give myself some some headspace or whatever the case may be. When it comes to teams, like my business at the moment is just me, but I do work with a virtual assistant and I do work with other coach and I see them as part of my team. So how active listening really is a powerful tool with my virtual assistant, for example, is like I no longer feel the need to be right and in control about everything. I'm now open to suggestions and ideas that some other people are greater experts in their field than I am. Step into the role of a leader who has a team of people they work with in a corporation. How is active listening relative to them? Could I share an example of this with with a client I have? Oh, absolutely. This person contacted me. She's the, she's actually the leader of a non-for-profit And she came with this wonderful idea that she wanted to give back to her team. Mm -hmm. And through our phone call, what I noticed was that she wanted specifically to give them this gift of a group coaching experience, but she wanted it a a specific way. And then I noticed that as we talked about things that were going on in the office, 
that she was kind of micromanaging and what was happening was she was feeling overwhelmed herself. She couldn't understand why she could never get her own job done. So in the course of our conversation, I was curious, you know, I asked, what is getting in the way of you doing your job? And she said, well, people come to me with everything. So when we dug deeper, the reason that was happening was because of her micromanagement. Her team were less confident than they were when they started because they were afraid of getting something wrong. They were afraid it wouldn't be good enough. They came to her with every little thing. By the end of the call, she realized, wow, I've really disempowered everybody by doing everything for them and having them second guess every step of their role in their job. She was feeling really badly about that. Uh My answer was, this is great because transformation starts with awareness. What good thing might get to happen if you slowly started to take a little step back? And what she noticed was she was less stressed after a period of just a few days. She was less stressed. She she was learning to say no to one thing so she could say yes to something for herself, not being available immediately to everybody on the team so that she could actually get her work done. And also the confidence within her group started to really soar as a result of her taking a step back. So the tips I hear you share so far, when a leader is curious and asks open-ended questions of the team member, when they approach the leader with a problem, if they're curious and ask probing questions instead, they're likely going to empower their team member to come up with their own solution. It's very true. And the other part of that is we've got to let go of our egos. So it's it's leader versus hero. Does the hero want all the glory? Possibly. But how about being a leader in your team and it being a collective effort? Everybody's doing their job. It's a well-oiled machine. It's okay to get it wrong. Because we're a team and we can figure it out together. One voice doesn't have to be the loudest voice here. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. There's a person who is a leadership expert. His name is John Maxwell. He says leadership is influence. What are your thoughts about that? Leadership is influence. Well, I guess we lead by example at home and at work. This was another thing that I, I, I mentioned to this, this new client of mine that I discussed a moment ago. When you start showing up as the most empowered version of yourself, you're quietly influencing everybody around you. People on your team will start to notice what's different about this mm-hmm. person. They're so confident. They're so calm. I feel empowered just being around this person. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what, you know, how can I l- learn more tools to use? Like, mm-hmm. like my leader has, like my boss has, like, well, how can I apply this to my life so that I can do better? Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's my takeaway from your question. We lead by example and therefore we influence the people around us. And that works both ways. Yes. It, it works for, for good and not so good. So let's choose the good route. One of the things that leaders often struggle with 
is they often have power authority control that comes with their position. And when you exercise power, you get compliance. When you exercise influence, you get engagement. Mm. What are your thoughts about that? I love the second part. When you exercise influence, you get engagement. Well, it creates space for curiosity. It yes. means that you're open to learning something new, that you haven't made a decision that I already know everything there is to know and my way yeah. is the only way and you just have to do what I tell you. Mm-hmm. You're open to new ideas. You're curious about you know, wanting more. Mm-hmm. What else is possible here? And guess what, Keith? Mm-hmm. You never, you never truly become old if you stay curious about what the world has to show you. Yeah. So the second part, I gravitate towards that second part. <laughs> and the other piece is as a parent, parents often exercise control over their children. Mm-hmm. They have an a, authority relationship and every parent needs to exercise some control. But what about balancing control versus influence as a parent? I would love to reframe that slightly and consider that like let, letting go of control and actually um, putting in place some boundaries. Here are my expectations of you mm-hmm. as your parent. Control often comes from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. For most of us, whether you're a parent or not, it comes from a, yes. a, a place of fear. It's a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you're afraid you're going to lose something. Um, and it's also disempowering to the other person. Mm-hmm. And and kids are often told what to do. You've got to eat this and you've got to be up at a certain time. You you have to do this subject. I, I saw it so much in the last two years of high school with my son's friends. Yes. That the parents, you know, they're driving their kids towards a goal that is their own with a very good intention that mm-hmm. they want something better for their children than they had themselves. Yes. However, you're staying on your own map when you're coming mm-hmm. from this place. How about asking your kids what they would like and giving them space to explore and share, feeling safe enough? Some kids don't want to go to college. For some kids, it's it's not the ideal route for them. They didn't love school. They want to learn in a different way. They want to learn a skill and they want to they want to go to work. And and mm-hmm. that should be okay. It should be safe enough to tell your parents that. But from the control, you know, a, a place of control, no, none of us like being told what to do, Keith. Right. None of us like feeling that we have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to like explore with more and more parents like what what is it like instead of this control perspective to have clear boundaries and realistic expectations you know let's talk about our core values like here's what I expect of you as a human being my expectation for you in school is to do the very best that you can Mm -hmm. right let go of this straight a mentality you know these kids that head off to college then have a rude awakening because they may not be the top of their their game anymore because they're going to be surrounded by other kids who are at the top of their game right and that sets you up for a feeling of not feeling good enough not worthy and a sense of failure so loosening the threads of control 
and really identifying, you know, where is this coming from? What am I most afraid of here? If I let go, what good thing might get to happen? Because the best things in life are on the other side of fear. We know this to be true. So setting clear boundaries versus being in control. You can do this at work too. Here's my expectation of you as my team member. I want, this is what I want. I want you to show up. I want you to do your job. I want you to ask questions. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you space to be creative. And here's the boundary. People thrive on boundaries. My thinking is that control is a different animal. It already makes me feel uncomfortable. If I think somebody's right. pushing me into a corner, I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want that. I don't either. No. What you just said about core values. I thought about work. Core values are relevant to companies too. And boundaries are relevant. Everything's relevant to companies. Once again, leading your team at home is like leading your team at work. Great point. Mm -hmm. I'd love to share that how we do one thing is how we do everything. Yes. If we are chaotic at home, we're likely chaotic at work. If we're a control freak at home, we're likely a control freak at work. Yes. If we are in the habit of telling our family what to do all the time, we are likely in the habit of telling everybody that we work with what to yes. do all the time as well. Can you share a few more tips for listeners to overcome obstacles that may be holding them back at either work or at home? Uh, number one for me is to remind yourself to check in every day check in at any given moment and just notice how you're feeling mm -hmm. you know um it's important to slow it all down and remember why it matters you know we can be um physically there but not mentally mm -hmm. present so yes. if you catch yourself at home and you're watching a movie with your family but you're checking your phone or you're at the dinner table and everybody's having a meal and I mean, I have been guilty of this before where I'll say to my kids, no phones at the dinner table. And then I'll check my phone and it's, you know, they call me out on it and I appreciate it. I'm like, well, I'm not leading by example, am I? You're right. This is family time and having a clear right. boundary um, and just sharing what's going on with you. But going back to the first thing I said, like checking in with yourself regularly throughout the day asking yourself like what is going on with me in this moment if you're experiencing stress mm -hmm. ask yourself well what would i like instead if if i want to feel calm what can i do to get there do i need to take a break do i need to step away from my laptop do i need to put my phone on silent could i make a cup of tea or grab a cup of coffee or a drink of water and just get mm -hmm. outside and do some mindful breathing it doesn't take much to slow it all down and be present but checking in with yourself regularly throughout the day. And if it's not something you want to be experiencing, creating that mindset shift of, well, what would I like instead? It's a simple question. And as soon as you focus on what you want instead, your brain will automatically start thinking of ways in which you can experience that. Mm -hmm. The other thing is when it comes to food, you could be eating the healthiest meal on the planet. But if you're eating in a stressed out state, your body goes into fight or flight the first thing to shut down is your digestive system. Right? Right. <laughs> so check in before each meal. How am I showing up here? Am I stressed out? Do I want my digestive system to work? 
and I see this food as an experience, am I eating on the go? How can I give myself 10, 15, 20 minutes here to just slow down and be present and enjoy this gift of time and this, this gift of me time and also this, this gift of food? Yeah. Let my digestive system work. And off I go and I'm energized <laughs> for the rest of the day. Jenny, can you share a story about someone you coached and the obstacles they overcome, they overcame to inspire listeners? First of all, I love all of my clients. I'm very selective about who I work with. The first person who came to mind was a lady I coached last year. We had 12 glorious weeks together. What she came to me for was she actually, you know, she wanted to lose weight. But what quickly, what quickly came up was that she was really holding on to grief. She had lost her mom um, several months beforehand. And she had also lost her way a little bit. She mm. felt as though she was just everybody's person. She wasn't making a priority of her own needs and desires, even when it mm. came to food. She was just going along with what everybody else wanted. But this grief, she's holding on to the, the loss of her mom. And we did, we did some beautiful healing work. And in the process of this healing work, this, this sweet release that she felt, it also gave space for her to explore what she truly wanted to be experiencing mm -hmm. in her life and also to identify what was missing. What was missing was me time. And when we talked about it, it was so funny because in uh, the beginning, she's, she was like so guarded. She's like, don't ask me to eat kale and I'm not giving up tea. And I was like, I'm not going to tell you anything that you have to do. And I'm certainly not going to tell you what you have to eat. So we explored some options and she, she lost like nine pounds in eight weeks. And it was impressive. Well, it was like she was just so happy. Mm -hmm. She felt so confident. She hadn't really uh, thought about ways that she could move her body on her own terms. She remembered that she used to love skipping as a kid and that she used to love swimming and that she loves going on bike rides. And there were lots of different ways that yes. she could get outside and, and have some me time and move her body and feel energized. And it was just like this snowball effect. And, and guess what? Her partner yeah. noticed and she led by example. So he uh -huh. was, he was so curious. He's like, well, how, like, how come you're sleeping so well at nighttime? And, mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and how come you feel so good and you're so positive and, and so confident? And she was able mm -hmm. to share, well, this is what I'm doing for me. And he started to follow along. That's, that's the first one that came to mind. It's a beautiful um, story. Thank it, you for sharing that. It really had nothing to do with the weight loss and everything to do with what she was holding on to. Mm -hmm. And once she could release that loss and make way for something for herself, her confidence, her joy, her, her self-love, her self-belief, her self-acceptance self just mm -hmm. skyrocketed. And she's still flying today. And uh, everybody else's needs first, because your intention is to help as many people as you can. But you know what? Mm -hmm. We can't pour from 
an empty cup, right? We can't, we've got to take care of ourselves in order to uh, support other people along the way. Thank you for sharing that. How can someone who resonates with your message stay connected with you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. JennyMCoaching.com is my website. You mm-hmm. can send me a DM. You can send me an email and reach out with any questions. And there's lots of ways in which a person can work with me beyond one-on-one coaching. Because I know some people mm-hmm. like are, are fearful in the beginning. They're like, oh, I don't know right. what that's going to look like. And they'd like to dip their toe. So I actually on my website, if I can share with you, Keith, I have yes. two digital downloads that are highly affordable, that can be done in your own time. And guess what? They're yours to keep forever. If you are looking to experience change and a mindset shift, that's Mm -hmm. a great place to start. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Jenny, for also covering how somebody can learn from you. Do you have a benevolent call to action you want to invite listeners to take? to apply what they learned in this episode at work and at home. I do. I would love to invite all of those people pleasers that are sitting in that space and can and really have resonated with what I said earlier about trying to fix people. Mm -hmm. So nobody's broken. Nobody needs fixing. I would love to invite your listeners to really sit back and listen. Wait for the question. If somebody is coming to you with something, whatever it is at work, at home, in your friend group, if they're coming with something to share, it's possible they're just venting. So if you can sit and listen and wait for the question, and if there's no question, they're actually not asking anything of you. And then just recognize like, oh, how do I feel when I don't jump in and fix something for somebody else? What does it do for my energy? Guess what? I've held on to my own energy and that feels like a good thing. That's beautiful. I accept that too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being a guest on Embers and Wind today. Thank you for having me. It was my absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for joining us this week. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Embers in Wind. If you enjoyed today, please come back next week. Please also share this episode with a friend. If you've not already subscribed to Embers in Wind, rated this podcast, and written a review, please do this now. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at embersandwind.net. Thank you again for joining us.